Welcome to Creative On Purpose Live. These conversations are about flying higher and endeavors that make a difference. Do the work you're meant to do now. It's time to be creative on purpose. Are you ready? Let's go. I'm your host, Scott Perry, author of Endeavor and chief difference maker at Creative On Purpose. Learn more about me and my work and uh, at creativeonpurpose.com. And now let's meet today's guest. Rob Coulter, really great to have you on the broadcast. Please introduce yourself to our guests by telling them who you are, what you're up to these days, and where can they go to learn more about you and your work? Uh, thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, my name's Rob Coulter, like like you just said, and I am a lecturer at the University of Wyoming. Um, my area is in ancient Greek philosophy, and I've been doing a lot of work in Stoic philosophy as a way of life. Um, in particular, I have a couple big projects going on, one of which is a, uh, an immersive experience for people all over the country and the world that I call Wyoming Stoic Camp, where we talk about Stoic philosophy and how we can apply it to our lives. And we do that up in the mountains of Wyoming and um, try not to get eaten by bears and trampled by moose and such. Um, and we do that every year. And then I've also recently become co-director of a program called Wyoming Pathways from Prison that uh, endeavors to bring higher educational opportunities to inmates in the Wyoming state prison system. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's links to all those things at my uh, academic profile at the University of Wyoming and um, also on the Wyoming Pathways from Prison website, also hosted at the University of Wyoming. Fantastic. So um, Rob's website is also linked in the event uh, for this Creative On Purpose broadcast, so feel free to, to check it out there. If you forget the, the URL, we'll share it at the end here too. Um, so Rob, you and well, just just a little little history about Creative On Purpose. It began as a project called The Stoic Guitarist, and the first the first iteration of this broadcast was called Meet the Modern Stoics. And so we've had Donald and Massimo and, um, uh, well, everybody that is anybody in the modern yeah. Stoicism movement. And I'm not sure how. I was not yet aware of your work then, but I was really, really grateful to collide with what you're doing in one of Massimo's meetups um, for Stoanova. And one of the things that I learned there was that uh, Massimo stole like an artist your <laughs> idea of Stoic Camp, and so we still Creative on Purpose is still deeply inspired and informed by Stoicism. Mm. It's just we don't wave <clears throat> the banner quite as brightly as we sure, used to sure. um, because it tended to turn people off. We found mm. because nobody understands what Stoicism really is. Right, right. Um, so maybe I would love for you to just just give a quick thumbnail sketch of what stoicism is, why it's so, and why it's so important to you and, and your endeavors. Well, uh, yeah, so stoicism is an ancient philosophy, um, school of philosophy uh, founded around 300 BCE in Athens, Greece. Uh, and, you know, I could give you a long detailed history, but I don't think that's what you're uh, asking so much, right? But, you know, I've been teaching it for years, you know, since graduate school in, in some level or other. Um, but for me, Stoicism always sort of seemed a little um, underwhelming. I was really interested in like what us academics would really call like the hard technical issues of metaphysics and epistemology and, 
and Plato and Aristotle were where I did a lot of that work. But, <clears throat> excuse me, um, as I got a little older, a little longer in the tooth, and uh, life had kicked me in the teeth in a few ways, like it happens to many of us, um, I was sort of a little bit lost in my life and, and in my career. And I was teaching one day from Epictetus's Enchiridion and reading aloud from the Enchiridion to the class. And, and I still remember the exact classroom and uh, things like that. And I realized at this point, I was like, oh, wait, you could actually apply this stuff to one's life, right? And I was reading a passage about um, what's often called these days the dichotomy of control, right? Some things are up to us and some things are not up to us. And the things that are up to us, Epictetus tells us, are, are pretty simple, right? It's, it's our opinions, our um, impulses, our desires, and our aversions, and everything else isn't, right? And I like to think of that as our, my choices, I can be fully responsible for the choices I make. Now, that doesn't always mean that uh, it's going to cash itself out. The choice I make cashes itself out in exactly the way I want it to, when I want it to, and so on, right? But I can still make those choices. And then I have to work within the way the world works. And that gets back to sort of what I think another main principle of Stoicism is, that the goal is to live in agreement with nature which is just what I just said, right? That, that we have to do our work, make our choices within uh, the way the world works, including the way I work and you work and, and you know, rocks and trees and gravity and science and stuff like that, right? Uh, I, funnily enough, right. I cannot bend the universe to my will, huh. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, um, I have to work within those parameters. And that's what Stoicism has really shown me, is it's sort of a proper place for myself in the world. Now, I was thinking about this, you know, you know, I, I knew all this stuff sort of in an academic way, but then started thinking about it in a lived way. And so I got online and I started exploring and I saw what the people were doing at the University of Exeter with Stoic Week. And I said, this is pretty neat, right? And so... I tried it on my own and I really enjoyed it and, and felt like I got a lot out of it. And then I said, I wonder if there's something I could do to make this a really immersive sort of situation. Like, could we like go up into the mountains with some people and try to live like those ancient Stoics might have uh, and read this stuff and think about it and talk about it and try to implement it in our lives. Um, and so I did that as an experiment. And that was, I think, 2014. With, I took up something like a dozen students for a three-day weekend, and it was amazing. And people came out of it like just feeling better. And, um, and it picked up from there. And so we've been doing, obviously, we didn't get to do it this last minute because of COVID and everything. But um, that became, I don't know, one of my big projects. Um, and... Um, Nowadays, we're having 25, 30 people come from all over the world every year. And we do this immersive, stoic, philosophical living where we talk about philosophy and read philosophy 12, 14 hours a day, um, eat communal meals, sit around a bonfire, uh, watch the moose and the elk traipse through the, the site. Um, 
and really sort of absorb ourselves in nature, right, in, in the sort of more contemporary sense as well, um, in a beautiful setting in the Rocky Mountains, long way from much of anything. Yeah, I love it. Um, so we were just talking off camera about how I've never been to that the corner of the universe that you're you're in. So uh, this, when when things settle down, I would I, I would love. To. I'm I'm assuming that the to, the, the togas are optional. Um, but togas are optional, but um, you know we have cabins, right? And they have heat. Um, although there have been some uh, participants who've decided to sleep in tents, and it's May in the Rockies and. All but one year we have had snow. Wow. wow. <laughs> so that's, wow. it's been fun. And, and for, for people from Arizona, for example, <laughs> I from Arizona and comes pretty regularly. Snow in May is rather strange. Yeah. Well, have, having grown up in Maine, I, I'm, I'm somewhat familiar. Um, yeah. yeah. It sounds really wonderful. And I appreciate your, you know, your synopsis of stoicism because the thing that, the thing that I think that it's hard to disassociate stoicism, the English usage, common usage with a small s with what stoicism is. When stoicism is really a, a philosophy of life, it's it's a, a, a pragmatic philosophy for how you live, which means it's an yep. active philosophy. It's not navel gazing and thinking about big ideas. It's actually like, how can I, um, you know, what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be happy? But how can I be more of both of that in my day to day? Yeah existence yeah. and it really comes down to that dichotomy of control you have control over your perception of things and the, the actions that you choose to take and that's where you have the ability to influence what happens next yeah. in your life that's um, right and it's so profoundly important to be thinking about this now you meant you touched on current events and we have COVID going on we have social justice you know raising uh to the to the fore again and you know, just the, the, the Epictetus's three disciplines can be profoundly in, uh, it have a profound effect on your feeling of flourishing and well-being, even as things appear to be going sideways. But you also do this work with people who have, who are living with very, very little control over even their yeah. actions. Um, and I'm really, really interested in the work that you're doing in prison. So mm -hmm. I'd love for you to touch on that a little bit of, as well. Yeah, uh, it's it's super exciting. Um, so a couple years after I'd been doing Stoic Camp, um, so I think this was probably 2017, I was approached by the people who started our Wyoming Pathways from Prison program, which I hadn't yet heard about. And, but one of them uh, had a background in philosophy and came to me and said, you know, I'd really like to get some philosophy into the prison system. And I thought for about 10 seconds and I said, yeah, I've got some ideas, right? And, and you know, Wyoming, for anybody who's been there, we're incredibly spread out. We are the least populated state in the United States. Uh, even Alaska has more people than we do. Interesting. Um, the closest prison system to Laramie, where I'm based, is 100 miles. Um, and the rest of them are more like 250, 300 miles, up to that, right? So it's not like I can hop in my car, drive over after work, teach a class, then come home, right? So I had to also think about how do we do this in a rather intensive way, um, 
I think this is a problem that's pretty widespread among prison systems, although we may be less well off than some others. We don't really have the technology to support a robust um, distance program in place in the system. And it's not like they're going to let inmates have free run of the internet mm-hmm. for a wide variety of reasons. So um, I, I go sometimes with students to a prison site and we do a week and we kind of have done a modified version of what we do at Stoic Camp, an intensive reading, writing, reflecting experience on some sort of philosophy of life. That's what I've done specifically, right? So, so far I've done Stoicism and I've also done Socrates, right? We're still well within my specialty, but I'm, it's growing. Um, and there are uh, faculty from other, um, you know, other fields doing a variety of different projects. A really successful one at the women's program a couple of years ago was on memoir writing and um, they had the women writing memoirs. Um, and some of them were published. Um, there's a book, the title of which escapes me right now, um, and, but it can be found online. Um, and I've done, uh, you know, my stoicism class at every one of the five facilities in Wyoming. Um, and I hope to keep doing that. Right now, we're trying to get enough funding to support us to keep doing that and growing the program. But and as you know, as all these things go, we're limited as much by funding and um, and time hmm. as anything else. It's yeah. wonderful. Well, I love. I, I I wasn't aware of the program, the, the memoir writing program, and that's really um, fascinating because you know this is I, I'm involved in in some writing uh, in a writing community right now and and uh, head coaching in a creativity workshop with Seth Godin and you know one of the things that we talk about a lot is you know we are human beings are creatures that make sense of the world through narrative we are storytelling machines it's how we make sense of the world ourselves and each other and when we are um, when when we're experiencing stress distress fear anxiety shame whatever that's has a lot to do with storytelling and, and the simple truth is and it's all you have to do is change your mind and changing your mind is actually quite simple it's just that all the simple things in life are never easy right right <laughs> and um i'm just one so you know but stoicism gives these very practical mm. exercises right. and, and principles that that enable us to hit a pause button when we're kind of spiraling right. quite anxiety and rethink things in a way that we can see the opportunities even inside the obstacles are uh, before us. I'd love to just hear an anecdote or two about your experience. Like what, what are the, what are the ideas or exercises, maxims, principles, quotes, whatever that help that you see helping um, the most people that you're working with when you're working in these? um, Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Uh, You know, there's lots of stories, right? Uh, There, there's certainly a, a mythology about inside, right? I mean, uh, there's TV shows and movies and all of that, some of which is kind of true and some of it's exaggerated and some of it's not true at all, at least not in my experience. Um, but yeah, one of the things that I'm, I'm always um, struck by 
is when I teach inside, there's, there's something very different that happens, right? Inside than from outside. So when I teach, for example, Epictetus and the dichotomy of control in an ordinary college classroom to 19, 20, 21 years old, year olds, right? Um, you know, this is the age group that tends to think that they're capable of anything. They're in control, they're invincible, and so on, right? And I know I was guilty of that um, as, a, as a young man and stuff. And, um, you know, as you go on through life, you lose a, lose a few battles, you gain a little gray hair maybe, right? And um, you realize that's not the case, right? So when I try to teach the dichotomy of control, they're like, no, I've got a lot more control in the world than that, right? But when I go inside and I meet these inmates, We've had literally pretty much everything taken from them, even the clothes on their back. And they're wearing orange jumpsuits or whatever, right? And everything they have, they have to have permission for and go through processes and um, they sleep on cots and they don't get to choose who they're around and all those sorts of things. They have no problem understanding the dichotomy of control zero they're on board right now some of them you have to remind them that this is going to be true even outside when they get out <laughs> but uh while they're in there they have no problem accepting that and um that's kind of neat right because then we i get to start from okay what do we do about it given that fact what are, how are we going to do about that and they recognize they can come to recognize that they're responsible only for their own choices and there have been a number of really interesting things that have happened. Uh, I'll, just, I'll just try to come up with a couple of them real quick. But one interesting one in one of the early classes I taught, one of, my, one of the people I was teaching with, I had some students and, and uh, with me, came up with this term, the stoic step back, right? And the idea was, and this is based in a couple of passages from Epictetus, um, and even from Marcus Aurelius, where right, when you feel a rush of stuff going on, take a moment right, to assess that. Right? Is this one of the things that's up to me or is it one of the things that's not up to me? And how do I react in that? And the inmates caught up on this. And I had, I had heard both towards the end of our week with them, but also later on because we would do follow-ups uh, over Zoom or something like that that they were using it with each other in the yard. Hey, man, stoic step back, right? Um, uh, uh, and, and they were policing each other a little bit on their reactivity to various of the stresses and nonsense that goes on. And in so doing, they were um, teaching this to others who weren't even in the class. And it was absolutely thrilling to hear about that, right? That it was making a difference. And and it made such a difference that um, when I talked to the um, director of education and the wardens and such about wanting to expand it to other schools of the talk about philosophy as a way of life, Socrates, for example, Aristotle, right? Um, they said, yeah, that sounds fine, but we really want you to do stoicism, right? So... Stoicism was making a real difference in the day-to-day -day life inside the institutions, which I was um, 
not totally shocked by, but very pleased about, right? Um, and it was good to see on that. And I could tell another story if you, if you want. Yeah. Um, so there's a famous passage early on in the Enchiridion where it says, like, um, if, right, you lose something, right, don't say you've lost it. Rather say you've just given it back. Well, there was one inmate in class, and his uh, he was a pretty scary-looking dude, right? Face tattoos. He was in for violent crime. Uh, he was really intense. He was known for having a temper. Um, and it was on the last day of class, I think. Everybody came in, and uh, the other inmates in class said, you tell them what happened today. And so he did. And he got up and he said, well, look, here's the thing. It's like, I had this blue chair in my cell. I've had it for months. Now, I knew I wasn't supposed to have it, but nobody had come and gotten it. right? Because nobody had come and shook down my cell, looked for contraband, any of that. right? And I loved having this blue chair in my cell because nobody else had a blue chair and I could sit in my blue chair and people could come sit in my cell and talk to me and sit in my blue chair. And he was really attached to this blue chair, right? Well, that day they had done a cell search and they took away his chair because he wasn't supposed to have it. Now, both from this inmate as well as the other people around him in his cell pod, they were like, oh, he's going to lose it, right? But he didn't. He said, I thought to myself, it wasn't mine to begin with. I've just given it back. So he sat down on the ground where his blue chair used to be and thought about that for a while. Meanwhile, everybody else in his pot is just waiting for him to explode. And he never did. Mm. He came to class and got to share that experience with us. Well, Pretty powerful. Yeah. Well, I love that story. And uh, I mean, I, you know, again, narrative storytelling. This is how it makes sense of things. Um, but I also, uh, what an extraordinary thing. I mean, this is when you, I, I, I uh, you know, I teach guitar lessons. I, I coach um, clients of, of my own, but also in, in other people's programs. And I always say my job is to teach or coach myself out of this job. I don't want to be somebody's teacher for life or coach for life. I want, because the idea is I give you what you need to move further down, but then you get to ripple out what yeah, you learn yeah. to somebody else. And that, you know, what an extraordinary example of, you know, the stoic step back, you know, this magnificent idea that somebody came up with and it's spreading mm -hmm. like, a, like a virus person to person. Um, you know, a virus for good, though, obviously. Um, but yeah, really, really, those are great. It's just powerful, powerful testimony um, to the power of anybody's ability to make, you know, to do things differently. Um, right. and, and I just absolutely, you know, am in love with the work that you're doing. I, I think it's really, Thanks. really important. I mean, you know, we are in the midst of um a lot of upheaval uh, upheaval around social justice there's it's no secret you just look at the da data and see that we are incarcerating black men at a rate that is you know exponentially higher than um it should be based just on the demographics of our nation um and, and we're also we're also incarcerating everyone 
at outrageous rates, right? I mean, you're absolutely right about the racial disparities, uh, but but there's just too much incarceration to start with, right? So. Yeah, well, absolutely, because it's it's been privatized. It's business now, right? You know, people, right. People make a lot of money, and mm-hmm. so you know this is this is the way the system works. So we're not going to go go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> we're winding down um, on our on our time together. But you, one of the questions that I I like to ask towards the end of all my guests is, um, you know, this broadcast is is tuned into by people who like you want to make a difference in the world. They want to make things better with and for the people that are around them. And they're working on some sort of endeavor, some enterprise or project that um, is done with and for people that they care about. So if there was like just one tool or tip that you had, and it could be from you know stoicism or from your own work, that would help somebody that either aspires or wishes to advance in their own creative enterprise that intends to make things better, what what would that be? Yeah, I think the I think the short answer to that is is um, think about the role that fear plays. Right, I know that for myself and for lots of people I see too. I think right, we have a fear of trying new things, of going beyond what we've done before, of um, of expanding our our reach. And, um, you know, and I know I struggle with that. This is one of the things that that Stoicism is really powerful with for me, and it fits with that idea of the dichotomy of control, right? If I remember that the results of my efforts are not really up to me, whether this project takes off, wins a million-dollar grant, uh, or dies on the vine, has nothing to do with my deciding to try to go for it, right? And my deciding to try to go for it is the only thing that is up to me. And for me, that's a powerful antidote to the sort of fear that I and others might have about, well, what if it doesn't work out? Well, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, right? Um, So try in the face of fear, right? Reach out in the face of fear, try things. I mean, just like my, my camp, When I first uh, came up with this idea, I went to my department head and I said, hey, I've got this idea. I'll take some students. We'll go up the mountains. We'll read a bunch of philosophy. And she's like, that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard in my life. But then she followed that up and she goes, but go ahead and try it. So I did. And here we are, you know, uh, seven, eight years later. um, And it's uh, super enriching and it's its reach is growing and it's not like it's a giant i haven't built disneyland or anything like that right but it's but it's valuable and worthwhile and it helps some people um and it's funny right um and this is another thing i would say and and some of this is my own perspective as an academic right is we can sometimes get lost in trying to quantify what we can do in the world Right, whether it's by how many books we sell, how many times articles are downloaded, right? But we also tend to discount the way we can affect people one on one, right? And I think for the vast majority of people in positions like mine, the greatest influence we're going to have on the world is through the classroom, and that's why I think it's so valuable 
that we keep in mind our one-on-one -on -one interactions, our one-on small numbers interactions, things like you and I are doing here right now. I don't know what the effects of this are going to be, but it seems to me to be a valuable thing to be doing, um, no matter what those things are. So that's what I've got to say about that today. Really appreciate that. I mean, I, what you just said about fear. I mean, one of the things that Stoics are really great at is like repurposing or re reframing situations. And fear is so often a compass actually telling us where we should be going as opposed to what we should be running away from. Uh, really appreciate everything that you shared. Rob, and we want to thank you, the viewer, for tuning in today. Rob and I really appreciate you lending us some of your valuable time and attention. We hope today's broadcast motivates you to lean into an endeavor that matters with greater curiosity and courage. Learn more about Rob Coulter and his work. Give us the website one more time, Rob. Well, at the University of Wyoming, you can find my personal page. Just uh, search me as well as Wyoming Pathways from Prison. Fantastic. And of course, it's always great to see you at creativeonpurpose.com as well. Now, Go out and make a difference and keep flying higher. Rob Coulter, thank you so much for your time and what you shared with us here today. Thanks for having me.